Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast all about the chapters from Shonen Jump. My name is Jeremy, your host. And I'm Kevin, also your host. I was so close that time. I practiced it in my head. I was going to get it right the first time, and then I had to do another take, and it messed it up. Yep, that's what we get for forgetting to do mic checks yeah, beforehand. Well, we read the Shonen Jump chapters that were released on January 6th today. Happy New Year, by the way. This is our first episode we're recording in the new year. Yeah. I guess the last one came out in the new year, though. Yeah, it came out in the new year, but we recorded it before the new year. Yeah, so let's get into it. There is no Shonen Jump next week. They're releasing one chapter of one series, so we're going to take next week off. Yep. I'm just going to say that up here. I'll give more details on the back end after we talk about Black Clover Volume 1, which is the completed volume we read this week. Yep. If you want to read along with all of this, you can do so on the Shonen Jump website. For $1.99, you get access to their entire vault which includes the chapters that make up Volume 1 of Black Clover. Yeah. Uh, and everything else is available for free for the next three weeks. So if anything sounds interesting, you can check it out. Chainsaw Man is going to start like having chapters hidden away very soon, so I would check that out if I were you, because yep. it's very good. But we're not talking about that for a little while, so should we get into it? Let's go. Okay, so first up, we have One Piece, Chapter 929, Shogun of Wano, Kurozumi Orochi. So what were your feelings on One Piece this week, Kevin? Because I thought it was a pretty good chapter of One Piece. So did I. The Frankie bit was pretty interesting. So Frankie's been working as a carpenter. And it turns out the reason he was doing that was to find the plans for the Shogun's castle. And he had been doing all this stuff to work with this carpenter guy who's like, oh yeah, I sent those to a pawnbroker. And so then he plays this game of, it's the, what's that quest in I, Zelda? The sword trade quest? That's yep. exactly what my note is from Wink's Awakening slash Ocarina of Time, where they're like, oh, no, I don't have it. I gave it to this guy. Oh, no, I don't have it. And it's actually, it goes on for like two pages. Yeah. And it's a pretty good joke. Yeah, it's pretty good. And eventually he's like, oh, yeah, it went over to this town. And so Frankie's talking with Kinemon. 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 Yeah. That was his name. And Frankie's talking with him, and he's like, uh, this is where my lead dried up. It went somewhere in this town. So maybe you guys can find it, because we kind of need the plans if we're going to raid his mansion. And we also see that they have been gathering weapons and food and supplies for their resistance movement, and they're leaving Shinten Maru's like, calling cards, blaming him for all of it, so that they don't get suspicious. Yeah. There's also a great bit with the... I. I definitely can't remember his name. The guy who can paint things is a fishmonger, and he's been painting fish. Kanjiro? Yes. And somebody walks up, and I'm like, that fish looks weird. Are Do they always look like that? He's like, yes, because he's not that good of a painter, so all of his painting creations look a little off. So, yeah, I really like this chapter, and it ends with the shogun talking with somebody and demanding a battleship and he mentions dr vegapunk and i'm not sure if he's actually talking to vegapunk or if he's just i thought i thought it was talking to cp zero yeah that's what it looks like but it seems like vegapunk might be on the line somehow it's not really clear yeah i think he was talking to cp zero because it was the guys in the masks so i think he's talking to cp zero as representatives of the world government saying if you want to make another deal you're gonna have to give me vegapunk like to work with because i'm assuming vegapunk you know he works with the world government so they're like you're going to have to have him come over and work for us 
Yeah, and actually, I said it ends that way, but it actually ends with Hawkins and Drake showing up to Sanji's noodle stand to fight him and Kinemon dragging him away so he doesn't get caught. Or actually, it's Law. It's not Kinemon. Yeah. Does Hawkins, or uh, Hawkins does, but is Drake actually there, or is it just two of the Drake pirates? I thought we saw Drake. We also see one of another guy with a similar power to Drake. I swear Drake was there, though. No, because I thought it was... I thought it was two dudes with dinosaur powers, but neither of them were Drake. Maybe I thought I'm they wrong. just mentioned Drake. You want to look it up? Yeah. Or? Okay. I thought it was Drake. Yeah, because they mentioned Drake, and I was like, oh, wait, I don't think that's Drake. Last time we saw Drake, was he going to kill Kaido, or was he trying to team up with him? I can't remember. I just remember Kaido was involved. I can't remember either. Oh, since I'm looking at it, this one also had a pretty cool two-page like color spread for the opener, this yeah, issue. That's true. It did. Uh Promise Neverland also got one. Okay, so that ends on characters who may or may not be ones we... But Hawkins calls him Drake, so... Yes, and it says his name is X-Drake, but I thought it was Captain Francis Drake, and I thought he was a different dinosaur. So, maybe... I He's definitely part of the Drake Pirates, and maybe he is Drake. It's been a while since I've seen Drake, so it could just not be the same... Drake that we're thinking of. Like you said, he does have the X on his chest. He is he does have a dinosaur devil fruit, but I thought he had a different dinosaur devil fruit. Allosaurus seems right to me, but I could be wrong. So it ends with some guys showing up to beat up Sanji. Yep. Which brings us to Hell's Paradise Jigokuraku. Sure. Chapter 43. It does not have a title. Or if it does, I didn't write it down, but I think pretty sure it doesn't. So this is probably the series that I'm having the most trouble being just dropped into still at this point. Yeah. What did you think of this one? This was interesting. So it opens with a samurai talking about a devil's weak points. Like he's got to, it literally opens with him looking at this thing going, all right, a sword slash to kill an immortal being, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, being dropped into this, I have no idea what's going on, but I do want to know what's going on. So apparently this this devil or demon that he was fighting, it was like a flower. So the weak point that he initially thought was the weak point, which he's like, oh, I can't sense any power coming from it, actually wasn't. And so there was this dude who's mortally wounded, I guess who tells him, no, the weak point is this, it's a flower, so the weak point would be in the center of the petals. And so he slashes that, killing the thing, and his companions are all worried because they're starting to run out of healing salve. There's only, like, one full use left, and the main samurai guy is really injured, someone else is kind of injured, and then there's the guy who's clearly dying, and I think he actually dies. Yeah, at the end... Like, the shinobi who has the healing salve is like, I'm not going to waste it on him. Yeah. And someone else holds on to him as he's passing away and tells him to, like, think of better things. And so he thinks of being held by somebody he admires or adores, something like that. It's not quite love. I don't think he says the word love, or at least that's not what the translation says, but he thinks of the girl holding him. Yeah. And it ends on this note of one of the characters kind of dramatically standing on a cliff and saying, in my mind, we're no longer criminals and executioners. So I think what must have happened is that they were a group of criminals to be executed. 
and they and their jailers got kind of trapped somewhere is I think what I took from this. I, yeah, I could see that. I think they got sent to hell because it's called Hell's Paradise. So they also mentioned at some point trying to escape. So I think they, they got sent to hell. And like you said, it's either a bunch of criminals and their executioners or they were all there was just one executioner and they were all criminals and some random event happened that sent them all to hell. And now they're trying to make their way out. But it seems pretty interesting. I just I had no idea what was going on. Again, I got some cool stuff kind of coming off of it, but the stories tend to really. I don't like being dropped in, not knowing anything. And because these chapters are so short, they don't get a chance to explain things to me in a single chapter. So I'm going to continue reading to try and get an understanding of how guys' powers works, what these characters are like, what's the world like. And I don't mind when not everything is exposited at me right at the beginning of something. That doesn't bother me. It's but you just, don't know what you're not supposed to know. Yeah. So a so, couple more chapters. I'll have a lot more going on. This will be another one that I'll go back and read. It's only 43 chapters. That's not going to take too long. Although what? I keep adding new manga to do that. So that's making the time take longer. And what I was going to say was this is one of the series that doesn't have the full series there. It's got the first three chapters and the most recent two. Yeah. So I'm going to have to do scantillations to get caught up if I want to or buy the volumes. Uh, they aren't even on sale yet. So ah, all I'm right. pretty I'm pretty sure that the missing chapters are a result of them never publishing them digitally. Like if you look at Haikyuu, it's got everything up to what they have published in volumes. Okay. And then the more recent chapters. That makes sense. But like the series that have always been in Shonen Jump, they have everything. Okay. So yeah, that you're probably right. It's probably because they don't have a digital format of them easily or haven't been printed. Yeah, in this one's case, it might not have even been translated yet. Totally possible because this wasn't a Shonen Jump Start, to my knowledge. Because it's been 43 chapters so i'd been reading shonen jump since before this thing started but they never brought it to the english version yeah they never brought it to the english version all right so next up we have we never learn question 94 sometimes a predecessor does x to beloved object gotta love these we never learn titles yep so what did you think of this one i thought this one was pretty cute i like there's another name for you to write down i forget his senpai's name oh don't worry i was hoping you had it furihashi calls her nami senpai so i'm pretty sure that's one of her names but i guess i'll look it up yeah again he tends to call her senpai a lot because that's their relationship she's graduated from the high school that he has took a like took a year off or took two years off to do something and is so she's both him and her are studying to get into college they take the same like cram school, which is how they met. And he also is at one point was like faking to be her boyfriend for her dad or something like that. That sounds right. So this seems like a pretty typical chapter of We Never Learned to Me, which means pretty good. Yeah. Um, basically, the plot is there's this new kind of ugly, cute phone mascot character named Doha Chan is what I wrote down, but my autocorrect did some fun things to my notes. Nice. Like later down in Food Wars, it definitely changed Soma's name to Sum every single time. Nice. So I think it was Doha Chan, but I'm not 100% sure now. That kind of sounds right. It might have been like Dohi Chan 
or something like that. It's this giant puffball bird that's like also a doctor. Like, it looks like the Twitter icon with a stethoscope. Yeah. Uh, Only way rounder. Like ball. It's like a it's like a they made a ball into a bird. So they put like a beak, a stethoscope, and like two tiny little wings on it. So Yu-Gi-Oh! runs into her at the store where they're doing a raffle for everything you buy to win a giant Doha Chan plushie. And she buys a whole bunch of stuff hoping to win it, but of course Yu-Gi-Oh! wins it instead. Yeah, she was actually there to buy the giant Doha Chan stuffy because she initially was like, oh, this thing is stupid. And then it turns out she's super into it. And so she was there to buy it and she looked at the price tag and she's like, I definitely can't buy this and I can't let people know that I bought this. And then she saw that they were having the thing for it and she's like, oh, well, I'll buy a bunch of extra like school supplies stuff that I was like, well, you know, it's a little bit more than I need at the moment, but I can always use like paper and pens and stuff. So she wants you get to give it to her, but when he offers, she refuses because she doesn't want him to know that she wants that. Yes. And they run into Furuhashi and Yugi is like, hey, do you want this? And she's like, oh, a gift from Yugiya. Yep. But then there's this, of course, typical confusion where the senpai, who I'm going to call Nami, because I'm pretty sure that's her name, comes up and is like, hey, I'm obsessed. Let me have it. And Furuhashi thinks she means obsessed with Yu-Gi-Oh! She wants the present. Yeah, well, first she asks her, she's like, you're pretty obsessed too, aren't you? And so Nami was talking about the Doha-chan or Dohi-chan or whatever it was. And so Furuhashi starts thinking that Nami-senpai was talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! It's kind of, it gets confusing trying to put it into words, the confusion. I mean, it's exactly the confusion you think it is. Yes. Hijinks ensue. The senpai ends up with the Doha-chan. And Yugi's like, you could have just said it if you wanted it. Yeah, she eventually broke down and said, I just want the doll. Yeah. And Furnashi's like, oh, she was talking about being obsessed with this new mascot, not Yu-Gi-Oh-chan. Yeah, but she realized, oh my god, am I actually obsessed with Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah. Uh, and runs off. And so the two of them, the senpai and Yu-Gi-Oh, are talking on the bench. And she's like, yeah, but you gave me this gift and I haven't given you anything in return. And she starts teasing him about if he wants a kiss. Yep. When this little boy drops a present in the river nearby. Yep. And then he starts to climb over the rail to jump in and get it. And they stop him like, what? Are you insane? You can't go diving in after that present. But he's like, it was for Koha-chan in my class. Yeah. So the senpai ends up giving him the giant Doha-chan to give to her instead. Yep. And Yu-Gi-Oh sews her a little one. Yeah, he goes home and sews her a little one. And she's like, wow, you did this instead of studying? He was like, yeah, but I mean, you liked it so much. So I made you a little one from home. And it ends with this little bonus scene of Yu-Gi-Oh's little sister coming in with the giant Doha-chan. Yeah, he's like, wait, you're Koha-chan? Which is pretty funny. That was great. So yeah, pretty good. Nothing special. The typical... Romantic comedy tropes, like I say, but we never learn is always pretty good. So it works when you're reading it. Yeah, it's a little one off thing. They're, you know, not a bunch of character. I mean, there's still some character development. There's Furunashi, Furuhashi, however you pronounce her name, kind of realizing that maybe she does like Yugiha because when Nami Senpai asked her, You're pretty obsessed about it, talking about Doha Chan, she immediately thought, You're obsessed with Yugiha, aren't you? Yeah. And so she had to think about her feelings. So that's what We Never Learn tends to do a lot. They will kind of put in these little tiny bits of character development in the romantic comedy shenanigans. 
Yeah, I do like that, but it was pretty tiny here. Yeah. So next we have Hellward and Higema Chapter 3, Life Force Part 1. And we got another series that's just doing part name chapters, which I hate. Well, let's hope it doesn't stick with that for the rest of their naming scheme. Yeah. Honestly, let's, I'm just hoping for you because I never pay attention <laughs> to the chapters except when I'm writing them down so it doesn't bother me when I'm reading them. I mean, it doesn't bother me when I'm reading them. If we weren't doing this podcast, I probably wouldn't notice, but we do. So I have to write it down every week, and I'm like, come on, this is this is lazy bull. Yeah. So I feel like this was, again, very typical Shonen stuff. I know I like this week's Shonen Jump chapters a lot more than I have lately because of all the stuff I ranked above it compared to last week where I kind of put everything below it. Though we'll yep. get to that later. Yep. What did you think of this one? I thought it was pretty good at setting up that the whatever the girl's name is i'm writing it down right now it is ayaha kurumine she kind of is admitting to herself that she wants to see higuma being a hell warden more like that was kind of the reason why she got the part-time job the one of the hell warden helpers they've got a name for him kobata kobata was that his name or is that the name of the because like he the hell Kobata is a member of the Bunratia. Okay. So one of the helpers shows up and they're going on an assignment to go hunt down this devil demon. No, this one's devils. Wait. I don't remember. Uh, Fiends. Spirits? (laughs) Like I said, generic. Yeah. It matters in each setting, the words, but it's kind of hard when they kind of all mash together. And anyway, he gets... I use the word spirit in all my notes for this. Sure. So So he gets Ariha to come along when they go to hunt down the spirit. She wants to, and Higuma says no. There's actually this cool bit of world building in here where they have to kind of bribe this little kid to tell them what's going on because people can't see ghosts, but little kids still can. Yeah, when you're like under the age of five, you possess the ability to see spirits, but after a while you grow out of it. Most people grow out of it. He says, obviously, some people do still retain the ability to see it, but most people grow out of it by the age of five. Which is, I like as a conceit, it lets you do that Super Sentai thing where you can have a little kid in every adventure to kind of add stakes. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good excuse for it. So her name is Kauri Amaya, and she saw her grandma go to this park and with a whole bunch of other old people where this giant crow spirit was drinking their life force. Yep. And afterwards, her grandma started to lose her memories. Started to lose her memories, and she was like, she used to be really talkative, and now she doesn't say anything. And she said we were going to go do this thing today, and when I asked her about it this morning, she didn't remember. So it was pretty... I like the setting for it, and it basically just ends with Higuma powering up as a hell warden to go fight this crow spirit. Because he says, oh, the thing possessing the grandma is probably a Sudama. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. And Ariha's like, oh, well, you can beat one of those easy. He's like, yeah, I can beat one of those easy, but it's master is a, more of a problem. I need to figure out who that is. So it's it, very similar to the situation in chapter one where it's master put one in Ayaha. Yep. So it's Ayaha and the guy's name. I know you literally just Kobata. Told Kobata. Just right over my head are watching. Higuma power up as Hellward and Kabata's like, ah, oh, man, I love this part, essentially. He doesn't specifically say that, but he's like, this is kind of why I do this, is because I like watching him work. 
Yeah, and it's, this one is basically just world building, which I don't mind, but there's no reason to suggest this series to someone over just having them read Bleach, for example, or any of the other series with this very similar setup. Yeah. It's still new, though, so I'm going to keep, uh, we're obviously going to keep reading it, but I would still keep reading it because even if it's, oh, well, there's no reason to read it over Bleach, doesn't really work when Bleach is done. Well, yeah, and I love this Shonen stuff, so I'm going to keep at it, but I've been going through a backlog of some Shonen anime I missed and seeing the real high points. Gotcha. And comparing this with stuff like My Hero Academia and Food Wars, it just is definitely way down on the track, or Hunter Hunter. Yep. So this is actually one of the things that I like about having Crunchyroll right now. Watching anime as they come out in Japan makes me watch more anime than I would have if I were just pick and choosing anime to watch at any given time. So I've been watching a lot of the first episodes that have been coming out of the new winter season and liking them. So I'm going to continue to keep watching them and the ones that at least somewhat interest me, I'll watch the first couple episodes to see if I want to keep watching them or not. But some of these are probably ones that I would probably skip over if I were just going to watch a series like, oh, I could watch this other thing or something else. But the fact that it's I'm doing it as it comes out makes it kind of more interesting to me than, well, sure, yeah, I can't say that this anime is better than My Hero Academia or Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood or something like that. But it doesn't have to be. It's the fact that these are the ones coming out now. So I can pick between these 12 titles that are coming out now as opposed to the thousands that are out currently. Yeah, and that's why I'm sad that Shonen Jump as a magazine has kind of come away. Because when it's all bound together, it's a lot easier to just read another one. Even yeah. than compared to just clicking on them all on the website. Yeah, so a little bit of that format change. But for me, it's... Now the magazine just got bigger, and instead of being one big download, I just have a bunch of little ones. All right, so speaking of little ones, that's not, that, that, that transition doesn't work at all. Pretend it does. Next up, we have Haikyuu, Chapter 333, Task Focus. Yeah, so we start off with a couple of the players talking about stuff right before, I guess, the first set is going to be done. I think. Yeah, in the last chapter they were trying to make a comeback for their first set, and they were kind of on a drive. They were making it down the field. They were scoring points, but they end up losing in the end. Yeah, they weren't making it down the field. This isn't football. Well, I, this is a metaphor. Yeah, I just... It is volleyball, though. Yes. I guess if you don't know how volleyball works, they were not moving the ball down territory or anything. Yep. And so, even though they were on kind of an upswing, they end up not making it for the first set. But somebody in the crowd comments that this was probably the best way they could have lost. They lost on an upswing. So rather than having a downswing for how the game was going and losing that way, they already had their downswing, were back on their upswing and just didn't make it or just didn't catch up to the opposing team. So they've still, they're going to come into the next game still with a bit more of an upswing, like we've got something to prove. And most of this chapter is from the perspective of Anahori, who's the player who got benched in the last chapter. Yep. And him kind of realizing what he needs to do and what his place in the team is and how he has to focus on the current moment. Yeah, so he had been, apparently, this must have happened in one of the earlier chapters, thinking that he could manipulate the entire game. Like, he could control everything. He could control how his teammates were acting. He could control 
He felt like he could control everything. And he realizes that he can't. The only things he can control are, and I think his coach says this, the only things you need to worry about are what are you doing right now and what should you do next? Yeah. Which is actually, you were talking last week about how much you love the kind of wisdom of that chapter. Yeah. And this is like the thing that really speaks to me. I'm all about the only person whose actions you can actually control are your own. Yeah. So you have to be the difference in any given situation. Yeah, I really liked this as well. Like he specifically talked about it's not just the other players on the team. Like you cannot control the opposing team. You cannot control the referees. You cannot control... Like, I can't directly control this guy right next to me. So I can control me. And this is, again, coming from my martial arts experience, but that's a lot of my martial arts. I honest, at its highest level, I do not care what my opponent is doing. I, the whole thing about what our style of Aikido is, is I control myself and through the connection that I form between myself and my opponent, I can control my opponent. But I don't try and change my opponent. I don't try and get him into an omlock. I don't try and knock him to the ground. I change myself and through that connection for something to happen. So it's a very similar mindset of I change me. And by changing me, I can affect other things, but I only have control of myself. I cannot make my opponent punch me with his right arm, but I can make an opening to make him do that. And so that's kind of how this thing was going for the guys in hike in the volleyball game that I can only, I think it's the one, the one guy eventually realizes that he doesn't need to be the star. So at the end of the chapter, he does this perfect setup for, I think the guy's name is Boku. Yeah. To do this amazing spike to score a point. And he says, like, oh, your setups are perfect. He finally realized that I don't need to try and make Boku do the perfect spike. I just need to set him up and then let him do his thing. Yeah. So I like this chapter a lot more than last week's. Hayukyo is, I feel like, in contrast to Harold's Paradise, is the series I'm getting on with Fastest, even though it's not really my favorite of the new series we're reading. Yeah, I get that feeling as well. I'm starting to get the characters more which is kind of surprising considering this is like 300 chapters in. It does feel like there are a lot of characters and I don't really have a feel on many of them yet, but yeah. at least the I have a pulse on the story, which I think is the more important thing and the emotions that are going on right now. Yeah. Well, and I also I have a feel on the characters that they've been highlighting. So, the character that got benched, Boku, are really the two Boku is really the highlight of the last chapter, and then the character that got benched, um, Anahori for this week was the highlight for this one. And I've got a bit of a feeling for them. So I really like this one as well. All right. So next up, we have Food Wars Chapter 294, A Midsummer Christmas. What did you think of this chapter of Food Wars? I loved this chapter of Food Wars. Really? Because I just started watching the Food Wars anime. Mm -hmm. And this just felt... I, I really like it. So don't get me wrong. But this just felt like typical Food Wars to me. Like, oh, Soma's making a dish. This has happened a lot of times before. It yep. just felt like, and if you like Food Wars, and I do, that's fine. But it didn't feel like anything special to me. Well, yeah, I, I didn't feel like this was something super crazy, but this is kind of like, a re not a return to form, but this is the stuff what that I like. What you expected and what you wanted? Yeah, I'm getting exactly what I wanted. So I can't complain. You cannot constantly be blowing my mind. Yeah, that's fair. So Soma is being Soma. It'd be like, 
going into a DBZ thing, it's like, well, I mean, of course, Goku is going to like do some cool stuff. And then it turns out he's holding stuff back. And that doesn't make me not like the episode of DBZ. I think the difference is that you can have different fight choreography, like fight choreography can be good or bad. And I don't feel like cooking choreography works the same way. Like if Soma is chopping onions or beating egg whisks, it's basically the same thing to me. And this series is really carried by how good its art is, which is very good. But there was no panel in this chapter that blew me away. I gotcha. Yeah. I feel like the highlight of Food Wars is like the metaphor and how much he can convey emotions with his art. And we're not at that point of the story right now. Yeah. So I really like this chapter of Food Wars. We have Soma preparing his dish where he makes a yule cake like a yule log cake and he we have a small flashback of soma's dad putting a bunch of pressure on soma as a kid like how can this kid stand up to this kind of pressure and so it's constantly hey we're going to be adding a new item to the menu you come up with something for it hey i need you to run the shop for a little bit hey this guy just found out that he can't have sugar so i need you to make him a tasty dish that doesn't have any dairy or sugar in it and so he ended up using that in his yule lock dish of he makes it with like mountain yam and a bunch of other stuff so there's no sugar in the dish at all and it was him approaching the thing of so the judges said oh you've got to make a christmas cake but he made more of a midsummer meal he's like well, you probably don't want some super sweet thing in the middle of summer that's more of a wintertime thing. So I made you a Christmas cake based on the midsummer season. And it's got little firecrackers on top of it. And the cliffhanger at the end is like, well, my firecrackers haven't even gone off yet. And the judge is already like, man, it's really hard to tell which one of these is better. And Sarge is like, what? No way. My cake is definitely better. Yeah. And so she's trying to argue that, you know, I made the better Christmas cake and... This is a lot of what Soma tends to do. I'm, you know, this is the, I'm not going to make a dish fit for your last meal. I'm going to make a dish fit to make you continue eating again kind of thing. Yeah. And so this was, I'm going to make a Christmas cake for the season. And he's kind of been advancing as a character with learning not to just make good tasting food, but to really put a lot of thought into how he prepares his dish and what he's preparing his dish for. So this is the stuff I like about Food Wars. So I'm excited to keep seeing it. Uh, yeah, me too. And I do really like Food Wars. I've been watching it for, I think, three days and I'm 19 episodes in because I'm not a monster like Zach who just devours shows. But hey, listen, when I get into them, I will get into them. If I have a bunch of free time, I can just binge watch a show like I saw, admittedly, it was only four episodes, but I watched the first season of the Netflix Castlevania and really <laughs> liked it. But I literally just turned it on and let it autoplay through the whole series. So Maybe I just don't have the fortitude through that anymore. Maybe I'm becoming an old man. Hunter Hunter took me like three whole weeks. Yep. Oh, and so Soma's popsicle stick ended up being what he used to make the wood grain texture for the Yule Log because they mentioned it actually looks like real wood. And it was because he used the popsicle sticks wood grain to carve a wood grain like pattern into the whatever frosting he made for the Yule log. So like that was his secret weapon. That's why it looked so realistic was because it was patterned off of real wood grain. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to another series we're just starting with, which is Demon Slayer Kimitsu no Yaibo, chapter 141, Vengeance. 
And I shouldn't say that because there was a series this week in uh, Hell's Paradise that we have never talked about before. Yep. We have at least talked about one chapter of this. What did you think about this one, Kevin? I liked this one. It still ended up not being super high on my list, but I'm starting to get a bit more of a feel. I liked that this was focused really on just one character and a bit of their backstory of like why they became a demon slayer. And so it turns out this girl, Shinobu, I, I don't know any of their names. This girl had her sister killed by a demon and it turns out she's fighting the demon that killed her. And so she's like, I've been practicing all these techniques and she ends up stabbing him in the eye and he's like, oh, you've got to cut off a demon's head. So there's a bit of like just a slight bit of world building in there. Obviously, it's not world building at this point because they're hundreds of chapters in and this is the final battle. But it's kind of like a nice refresher for, oh, yeah, I haven't been reading this forever. So you need to cut off a demon's head to defeat it. And it turns out she was using she uses a poison blade. And she whenever she sheaths her sword that can change the compound of the poison that's on her blade, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I was talking about how I think Hayakiyu is the series I'm getting on with the most and the one I'm most on board with. But I think Demon Slayer is my favorite of these new series because the way the powers work and even just their names are really dynamic to me. It makes it seem like there are systems under them that I want to understand. Yeah. And it makes them seem really dynamic. Yeah, that's the... I'm going to call it the Brandon Brandon Sanderson style of magic systems or any kind of power systems. He's got he's got it written it down somewhere where it's like this is how you build a magic system. You've got to put stuff into rules otherwise it's just all silly nonsense. And he's got a bunch of other things. So it it feels like that. Like you said, there's this system behind the powers. One piece kind of has yeah, there's the devil fruits, but the devil fruits can let you do basically anything without really explaining with, any of it. With one piece, well. each different devil fruit has different rules. Yes. And like the fights are about kind of learning those rules. Yeah. So I like that aspect of it, but like what devil fruits do is basically anything. And it's kind of a similar thing with some magic systems, like generic magic systems where you can just cast magic to do things aren't as interesting as ones where it's like you have to store up mana and chant these spells and there's like all these other hindrances on it. And so it makes it cooler to see people exploiting loops in those to either break their defenses or like, oh yeah, normally you have to channel a bunch of mana, but I managed to store some in this crystal so I could just use this crystal to cast the spell as opposed to waiting a second to charge up kind of thing. I really like this chapter. And it's making me, again, want to go back and catch up on Demon Slayer. Oh, uh, yeah. I really liked it, too. And speaking of chapters I really like, next we have the Promised Neverland Chapter 118 meeting. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the Promised Neverland anime has started by the time you're listening to this. We haven't seen it yet. It's not out yet when we're recording. Yeah, but... it comes out in two days. Yeah. January 9th. So hopefully that was good. Check it out if you're interested in Promised Neverland. But... Also, check out this chapter. Or if you're like just starting the anime for some reason, skip ahead because spoilers. I'm really glad we read Promised Neverland this week, so the reveal at the end did anything for me. Yeah, I'm super glad that that worked out because, man, that reveal would suck if you have no idea who <laughs> like, that guy is. Who's this guy? <laughs> oh my god, it's you. It's you. Yeah. So Chris is going to be okay, and they make it to the Minister Minerva's base, which is the village hidden in the leaves, I'm pretty sure. 
It's pretty sure they make it to Konoha Village in this episode, led by a super fast ninja. No, they they make it to the heart tree from Avatar because they're literally living inside a giant tree. Like it's not just the village hidden in the leaves because they're like they're hidden in the leaves, but they're literally just inside one giant tree. And they explain that this used to be the base of operations for one of the demon clan, like an ancient demon clan. But none of the city clans or none of the city demons know about it because it's or care about it because it's so old. So that's why they've been able to hide out for so long is they have already set up infrastructure and the city demons don't seem to know about its existence. Yes. So basically they make it there. There are a whole bunch of kids there. They have tea and snacks. It's kind of like a paradise. Yeah. Everything seems like it's going to be okay. And they're like, hey, Emma, Mr. Maneuver wants to meet you. Go up to his office. You have to go meet the principal. Yep. And she gets up there and she sees him and it's Norman. Yep. So what I I specifically didn't ask you this last week, but now I want to know what happened to Norman last time the Promised Neverland audience saw him. Did they think he was dead? You can be vague. Did he say, hey, I'm going over here? So he gets selected to be sent, shipped off the farm before they make their break. Gotcha. And then we catch a glimpse of him. He was not immediately killed to be eaten. He was sent to a completely separate, like, research facility. Huh. And so we get a glimpse of him inside the research facility. And so that that giant kid that, like, towers over everyone else. Yeah. He was in the same facility as Norman was okay. at one point. So we don't know anything about that facility. We weren't entirely sure if he was alive or not, but there we was a long see a body. Yeah, there was a long period in time where it was like he got sent off, so they had no idea if he had gotten eaten or not. And then it's like, oh, it turns out he's at that some weird research facility, and was like planning an escape. So clearly that worked. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really strong end reveal slash cliffhanger. Yeah, that was that it, was it's an almost amazing all the chapter has, but it's really really good. Yeah. Uh, so next we have Jujutsu Kaisen, Chapter 42, Ready for a Title I Hate, Kyoto Sister School Goodwill Event, Dash, Team Battle Part 9. Yep. That, that title is ma- designed to make me angry, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, what do you think of Jujutsu Kaisen? I'm starting to get into it more. I'm going to get caught back up on this. So again, this is a lot. This chapter had some more character stuff, so I liked it a bit more than the last chapter, which was really just kind of, to me, be, it was like people using ninja powers on one another they're not ninja powers they're jujitsu powers but same difference so it's about this sister and brother i think or twins i think i think i thought they were both girls i thought they were sisters they, yeah, they i don't might, think they're twins but i'm not sure Go they, on. M- they mentioned twins at some point so i okay. don't know if they were the twins or there's two different the like either way they were connected as one is one was supposed to be the servant to the other one was like the head of this prestigious clan or she wasn't she was like the heir to this prestigious clan and ended up leaving because she didn't want to deal with her politics essentially but then she's going to be coming back and she's like i'm going to become head of the clan my way not your way kind of thing i'm still a little confused there were like i got an idea of what they were trying to do but i don't have all the specifics down yeah. of how this was playing out and like you said last week it's not really clear if these are main characters or if these are side characters just getting fleshed out for this fight either we did see the main character so the the girl who ends up winning the fight is on the main character's team okay the one with a ponytail uh, so we see him 
in kind of like a flashback before. So this team battle, whatever is happening, that she's apparently a part of his team. So we at least saw the main character. So she was one of the main characters and whatever. I'm get, I'm thinking it's just two teams battling against one another. I don't think this is a case of the tuning exams where there's like hundreds of different teams battling against one another. Yeah, okay. That's also kind of the sense I got. We also, speaking of magic systems, got some pretty detailed power explanation here. Yeah. My one of the girls has the power to create an extra bullet. She can only do it once per day. At this she, point, yeah. yeah. She, she has the ability to create things that last. So some people have the ability to create things like... A, almost like illusions, like as soon as you stop concentrating on them, they disappear. This girl has the ability to like literally create things. And so she uses a six-round revolver as kind of a... a bluff, because a, she can create a seventh round. Yeah, she can create a seventh round. So she can trick her opponents into thinking, all right, she's fired all six bullets, and I have until she reloads, and then she can create one in the chamber. And she's like, my limit right now is one. But clearly stating that, you know, I'm going to work at being able to make more. Yeah, which is a cool power. That actually, when we get to the rankings, that saying bumped this chapter up quite a bit for me. Yeah, again, I like Jujutsu Kaisen. This was one of the ones that I wanted to get caught up on. So I am going to do that at some point. Speaking of things Kevin likes, next we have Dr. Stone, Z equals 89, Adventurers. What's Dr. Stone doing for you these days, Kevin? Stay in the course. <laughs> yeah, that seems about right to me as well. I just like it more than you to begin with, I think. Yeah. So basically, they go up in their hot air balloon this chapter. Ryusei, Senku, and Chrome. I was going to call him Soma. I'm like, that's not right. Nope. He's not a cook. He's a science. So they're trying to go west, and apparently the wind in Japan always blows east. Or tends to blow east, which makes sense. That it's, it's probably a like a tropical current kind of thing. Like, over here in America, the winds can kind of tend to blow all over the place, but, like, in Europe, there's this giant Gulf Stream, so, like, the wind just tends to blow this one direction most of the time, unless it hits mountains. But for Japan, since it's so tiny, it's like, yeah, it would, if that's the way, like, the stream is blowing the air, they're like, yeah, the wind tends to blow east, so you have to be a really good navigator in order to figure out how to go west, because you kind of have to, like, tack the wind. Yeah, but Ryusei is able to do it because he's an awesome captain, as he has established many times before. Yep. Although we have Chrome getting annoyed that Ryusei is kind of like taking control of this situation and making Chrome feel like he's not here for any purpose. And so he starts pointing out that, oh, well, you're just following the river. Any idiot could do that. You need to be going this way to get to the village faster because they're trying to go back to their village. You need to go this way because I've actually traversed this on foot. So I know like the actual topography of the land. So like there's this mountain rot or there's this rise coming up. That'll probably create this problem for us if we don't avoid it. And so the two of them are kind of butting heads on I'm the better adventurer because he says like, I'm going to become an excellent adventurer. And Chrome's like, no, I'm a literal adventurer. I've been doing this for longer than you have. And then a storm pops up. Yep. And this is a Dr. Stone thing of they tend to personify a natural disaster. So this natural disaster is a cumulonimbus cloud, Thunderhead. And they're talking about if their balloon gets caught in the Thunderhead, it'll be death for them. And so the cumulonimbus cloud takes the form of this like 
Chinese dragon coming made out of cloud, obviously. So they think they should turn around, but Chrome says they should go right at it, because if you try to run away from a bear, it will kill you. But if you kind of scare it away, you'll just be injured. Yeah. So they end up using the last of their revival fluid to kind of stoke the flames further so they can go in. Oh, and we did forget they got surrounded by a flock of birds, and the birds apparently poked a hole in the top of the hot air balloon. Because when they were trying to run away, they were like, all right, well, we need to get to the ground. But they found out that they couldn't do that because of the fact that there was a hole in the balloon. So they were kind of stuck, like rising. They couldn't drop the fuel source and vent more air because they had been pumping so much fuel into the hot air balloon that the vent, because the vent had been open, they're like, huh, we should be rising faster than this. That was another one of the reasons why they couldn't run away, was that they couldn't just close the vent and cause the air balloon to drop. But they managed to make it through, and Ryusei and Chrome kind of bond over it. Yep. So, I mean, they haven't really made any progress, but they got to the village at least. Yeah, like I said, it's staying the course. It was kind of interesting, but... So speaking of kind of interesting, next we have Chainsaw Man Chapter 5, A Way to Touch Some Boobs. Now, that is how you do a chapter title, by the way. There you go. This this follow the example of Chainsaw Man. I'm glad we talked about the boob touching last week when we almost didn't, when that's the title, and also the entire focus of this episode. Yes. So, well, there's also some, obviously, there's character building of power as a A little being. bit, yeah. So, Power and Denji are now kind of a patrol unit. They go on, they get kind of accosted by some cops, but they have a badge, and they're like, hey, we're part of the experimental squad. Yep, and then Power explains that because she's a high-level demon, lower-level demons are kind of repulsed by her. And so they're, because they need to, like, essentially meet a quota of suspects or something like that. And so Denji's like, or no, it's not a quota of suspects, but Denji wants to prove himself, but nothing's happening because nothing wants to hang out around power. And he was like, oh, the samurai guy did this to me on purpose. I'll call him samurai guy. Yeah, I did not write his name down, so... Even if you had his name down, you would you would have had to say it. So, like the the character sheet will be great for when we finally get that done. But he will always be he will always be either uh, katana suit guy or suit katana guy or samurai guy. He's definitely suit katana guy to me. Sure, and he wants to prove himself because Makima is like, hey, if you can't prove your usefulness, like the squad will shut down, and then you guys will be executed because you are demons. Yep, or I guess devils. They're devils in this. Yeah. Well, he. They're both weird. Because power is a literal fiend, and he's this weird, like, half-human, half-devil hybrid thing. Yeah, so they find out about a sea cucumber demon. Yeah, power, like, smells it or something, senses it, something like that. Uh, But there's already a devil hunter on its case, but power has apparently hammer space powers and pulls out a giant hammer from nowhere. And smashes it, spraying blood everywhere in this, like, mall, I think it's hanging out. Like, the other devil hunter had even captured it. He was just, like, calling in a squad to get rid of it. He was like, oh, I've, I've already sealed it in. I just need, like, a cleanup crew to come take care of this. And so Power shows up and bashes it to bits. And Makima is scolding them for it's illegal to jump into a civilian operation like this. She's like, you're a loose cannon, Denji. Put yep. your badge and your gun and go home. Yep, and Power's like, hey, Denji, Denji told me to kill that demon. It was just like the thing with, uh, oh, yeah, he got attacked by a testicle demon. Yeah. but And he's like, I did not. She's like, totally did. I can't lie. I'm a demon. Demons don't lie. Humans lie. 
Yeah. I thought that was great. He was like, well, clearly devils can lie because you're lying right now, you liar. So they have this argument, and Makima's like, I expected better of both of you, so they kind of get feeling a little down. Yeah, Denji's like, maybe this isn't the time to be thinking of touching boobs. Yes. But then Power is like, hey, I hate humans because I'm a devil, and also I hate devils because they stole my pet cat, Meow, and Makima stopped me from rescuing it. And then she's like, yeah, man, cats suck. I could understand if it was a dog. All I want to do is touch some boobs. Yep. And she's like, hey, if you help me rescue my cat, I will let you touch my boobs. Yep. And, and he's so- like, he's like, those fiends, how dare they steal this cat? We must go at once and, and show them the meaning of justice. Yeah, I really like those series of panels because it's yeah. like Denji like it's opening very, very a, a drink can. I'm going to call it a soda can, but it's Japan. So they, they, they literally, is it Ramui? Probably. Well, no, I mean, it's Japan. They literally put everything in a That's can. True. Like, it could have been coffee. I have no idea. That's true. But he's opening some kind of drink, and she's like, I'll let you touch my chest. And then you see him pause, turn, his eyes, like, pop open, and then in the next panel, he's like, those fiends! Or he doesn't it's say page, those fiends. It's a page-turn reveal, too, yeah. which makes it even better. Yeah, it was so good. So anyway, yeah, Chainsaw Man, pretty good. I was kind of down on the last on last week's chapter, but pretty good this week. Yeah, this was a good one. So next we have Black Clover, page 188, Why I Lived This Long. So this is some Black Clover, and you know how, know how I feel about that. Yep. Even I kind of got lost on what was actually happening. Like, uh, I I got kind of what was going on. So the elf who's possessing Gosh, or Gosh, Gosh, I think it's Gosh, has figured out that when Asta is in his black form, he's drawn to powerful sources of magic, which is usually very useful when fighting people. You're just drawn directly to your opponent. I didn't even know he had a black form. Go on. Yeah, that's the he's got like the black wing and he's got like a bunch of like black crawls up his skin. It might be kind of hard to see when he first does it. It's really. Yeah, I assume it's a big moment the first time. Yeah. And this is a couple of times he's done it before. So. I can recognize the form, but again, I understand why you think the art's a little muddied, because I had some, even knowing what's going on, I had some scenes in this where I'm like, wait, what, what's happening? Anyway, Gosh sends up this, like, giant magical disco ball, pulsing with magical energy that's, like, sending out random pulses of magic, so Asta is sent zipping around that, not able to get to Gosh, and he's like, haha, I've defeated you because you're not going to be able to get at me. And As is talking about, I can only go black two and a half times now, and this is my second time. And, like, I, it's, you know, a transformation thing and only lasts for a little bit. So if I try and do it again, it'll run out midway through. And then his friends show up to help him out. So the poison user, and this took me a little while, but the poison user covers the disco ball in his poison magic, stopping it from doing stuff. Mirroring? Reflecting? Yeah. And then somehow his other friends, or no, the guy who can control the house, the Black Bull's hideout, Yeah. who his big thing is he absorbs magic. Yeah, okay, I wasn't sure if Henry is his name. This chapter seems to be mostly from his point of view, yep. and I wasn't sure if he was controlling the house or if he was some other guy who was just in the house. No, yeah, he's he's the one who controls the house. The house was that special gift that his kind of family give him to like you go over here and kind of stop existing uh-huh, okay well because he was part of no- he was part of the nobility yeah. but i got be- that this is all well keep going for the audience yeah he didn't have a since he can't control his magical absorption it's really bad 
being in a noble house where your kid is just absorbing all the magic of like you, you know, if you have no magical power, you're not a noble is kind of how it works. So they kind of send him away. Not They don't kill him, but they like send him away to this house. And so he's really bonded with Asta because Asta doesn't have any magical ability to suck. So Asta can just like go hang out with Henry with no ill effects whatsoever. He's like, the first time he meets him, he's like, oh, I don't have any magical power for you to absorb. So let's hang out and be friends. And so Henry is going to essentially like commit suicide by leaving the house so the house suppresses his magical absorption so like he leaves the base to jump at gosh to absorb all the elf's magic but the elf somehow avoids it this is where stuff gets super confusing it's like i don't understand how this was going to be a sacrifice play yeah me either but somehow it was and And somehow it wasn't yeah well it was going to be a sacrifice play somehow the elf avoids it and henry's like that's okay i'm gonna die I don't know why. I, that's okay. I'm going to die. But I was able to save my friends. And then Asta kind of pulls the the anime. Hey, you can't die on us, you idiot. Yeah, we were going to go experience the outside world someday. Like, we were going to live together. And then he realizes, oh, yeah, that was my wish. I didn't want to just save my friends. I wanted to save my friends and hang out with them. And so they managed to save Henry and defeat Gosh and Somehow. his sister. Oh, did, the, did they? Yeah, Asta hits. This is news to me, but okay. Yeah, in the final panel, Asta Asta hits them, hits both of them with the sword, which can cancel out the resurrection ritual. That's why Asta is really important at this point. He can stop people from being elves. That makes sense. That's why Luck is on their side now, as he smacked him with the sword and was able to cancel the elf possession, essentially. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, again, Black Clover can get kind of confusing because Asta has three different black swords. That do different things. So he's got the one that we read about in the volume one that can the cut edge and reflect magic. Yeah, the edge can cut magic and the sides can reflect it. He's got one that can like absorb magical power, and then this new one that he, that he has can like cancel out like existing magical effects. Okay, I mean that makes sense, but I it did not read to me like the fight was over at the end of this chapter. He hit both of them with the sword, and that will end the fight. I'm sure. Okay. I just, it didn't read that way. It didn't read as a conclusion. So. Listen, I got super confused I know. too. I'm just so. letting you know. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm telling you my interpretation, which was, I don't know, some, some, ha- some drawings. Yep. This does keep making me want to just go watch the anime and be like, man, you know, if this was like in motion, I would probably get, and like colorized, I would probably get this a lot more than. It took me forever to figure out what the poison magic user was doing. I was like, I'm going to use poison magic to do what? And then I finally saw there was like little bits of the disco ball showing through the poison. I was like, oh, he's covering up the disco ball. Okay. Okay. So uh, speaking of series that are not quite to my taste, next we have Act Age Scene 48. Goodbye. I wish. I was going to say, this doing anything more for you, Kevin? Nope. Yeah, again, it's just them talking about how good his acting is. Well, and then he, like, breaks character at the end of the play or something like that. Yeah, because he's processing the emotions of his dead mentor while acting out, processing the emotions of this dead friend. Yes. That's the chapter. Yep. Again, it's all a bunch of show-don't-tell problems of, oh, his acting's so good. Yeah. He's the best actor. Wait, why is he not acting anymore? Yeah, why isn't he saying his lines and then he, like, grabs the actor that he's not supposed to interact with at all and says, like, don't go or something like that? And so it's very confusing. Yeah. 
Not not to my taste. No. So, shall we move on to Neolation Process 4? I guess. Hacker Neo versus Hacker Lemming. Hey, is this not to your taste either? No. Yeah, there's a whole bunch more of... There's some DDoSing in this one. Yeah, there's a bunch of techno babble, and then there's also Neo pulling a... Oh, yeah, this was all part of my plan all along. Somehow, even though you weren't interested five minutes ago, but you somehow figured out that the hacker would launch a DDoS attack on the school that he's been hiding out, and that would actually end up, while it would shut down the servers so that the information would be protected, it would also shut down the security systems. That's a really bad security system, if you can DDoS it. Not only if you can DDoS it, if you can DDoS it just by hitting the information servers, like not specifically the security system, again, this... Is it not insulated? I guess not. This really... I was like, they don't have closed circuit security cameras. Like, I could get, oh yeah... It shut down maybe one part of the security system, like maybe they won't be able to read ID badges because the servers are down and they can't check the IDs, but they'll still have all these other security measures in place. It's a college campus. You're not going to be able to walk into the server room of a college campus. There'll there'll be like a dude there, especially because it's been hacked. So yeah, there'll probably be a bunch more security or not security, but just people there trying to deal with it. You're yeah. like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. I mean, you could definitely, as a Mission Impossible plot, this is a fine step one. If step two is we're going to dress like computer techs and yeah, well, walk then, in. But yeah, then there's also the thing of why do you need to sneak on in the first place? Like, it's a, it's a college campus and you're looking for a, a dude on campus. Can't you just walk around? Oh, I guess they could. They don't know who they're looking for, so I guess they can't be like, "Hey, we want to." Yeah, but Neo isn't coming, so they can't go hack the servers to find out anyway. Yeah, it it's not my favorite. No, this was this this wasn't good. So that's all the weekly titles for this week. But we did read two monthlies this week as well. Yep. First up, we got Boruto number thirty face to face, which there was one bit in the middle that I actually really liked the art on, just between Boruto and Kawaki sparring. Mm-hmm. The it didn't have a lot of dynamism to it, so it wasn't great. But the choreography was really clear, and in yeah. contrast to Black Clover, I really appreciated that. Yeah, or even the end of Naruto. I find the art of the end of Naruto to be very similar to Black Clover's, and how messy and confusing it is. Yeah, he kind of suffered from the power expansion of like everything had to get bigger and more. I also think at the same time he was suffering from really heavy artist burnout. Probably. Like, he'd been going a really long time. So, like I said, it was a bit of that everything has to get bigger and there has to be more of it and it's got to be more complicated. Yeah. So that And that wasn't to his skill set anyway. Yeah. So, it just, it really ended up not working out that way. But This is drawn by a different guy. But yes. I just, in contrast to that, I really appreciated it. Although, it doesn't look like anything special either. So, the plot of this one is basically just Boruto and Kawaki are still trying to figure out their weird... Karma powers? Yeah, karma powers. Uh, There is a little bit of an escalation, though, because the guy who snuck in two episodes ago is like, oh, hey, I was wondering what security he had. Oh, he's hanging out at the Hokage's house. That's, yeah, (laughs) that's a problem. Man, I was hoping he was just going to be, like, chilling somewhere in the village, but he's living with the Hokage? How am I going to deal with this? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And meanwhile, the girl he ditched at the, like, edge of town gets basically tired of it and decides to... Just jump in. Well, first she sends, like, a robot. Yeah, a drone, basically. Yeah, she sends a drone. Like, it doesn't have any chakra, so they won't detect it. Yeah, which, that actually makes sense. Yeah. But if the 
people have ability to make drones, you'd think ninjas would be like on alert to notice. Am like, I, I have not watched a lot of Boruto and I've only read these three chapters, but my understanding is the conflict is kind of technology is expanding and yeah, that, ninjas are having to adapt to. Yeah, and that, that could be it. So either way, but she jumps in and it turns out Kawaki knows her. Well, they were like, yeah, at the same facility. Well, but what she I was like, like is, like the guy said, immediately we see Eno, and she's like, "Oh wow, so there's an intruder," and she calls her boss Naruto. It's just like, "Yeah, I'll deal with it. Don't worry." Well, first she contacts like the security team, or like a bunch of dudes at you know, like a computer terminal, essentially. Like, yeah, checking it with a registry. No, it's somebody new. All right, we've got an intruder, and she appears to be heading your way, Naruto. He's like, that's okay, I'll deal with it. He's the Hokage. That kind of makes sense. There's an intruder heading towards you. Uh, Just one person, I think I'll be fine. But yeah, she shows up, and Kawaki knows her. It seems like there might have been a kind of granny goodness situation going on there. Yeah, like she was maybe one of the wardens at the facility he was at, or something like that. Yeah. Because I don't think that she was, like, specific... I guess it kind of is a Granny Goodness thing of, like, Apocalypse is the one actually doing it, but you're forced to deal with Granny Goodness all the time. Yeah. She's the one, like, doing the raising and the punishment. Yep. So, yeah, not bad. Nothing special, but that's kind of what Boruto is. Yeah. Last but not least, the other monthly title we read, Yu-Gi-Oh! Scale 41, Reiji's Power. It might be least. Um, Spoilers. It is for me. Oh, really? Okay, it's not for me. But it's down, definitely down there. So yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Arc V still on its bullshit. I I don't know. These yeah. cards do everything. My note. I got two notes. One. These cards do everything too. Divine Go D D D Zero King Zero God Raju. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the things that playing, having actually played a card game, this really annoys me. The fact that they're making these reveals and it's like. Oh, yeah, this has all been part of my plan. You planned on him having, like, hey, it's, you always have the perfect hand, which that's not. Oh, like, and their hand should be exhausted, I feel like. Like, there's a lot of special summoning going on, but the number of cards they play, I feel like their hand, like, we never see hand size shots. No. I feel like they should both be really low on cards. I feel like they should both be empty, because, like. Well, but uh, the one of them, Reiji, has been getting extra cards from the action goal thing, so. Yeah, but he I don't have card advantage, I feel like. So maybe he should be okay cuz he's doing a lot of summoning from deck for most of his plays here. Yeah. But still, it's it's a lot of and I always hate this trope of for just for card games specifically, it feels like, you know, oh yeah, I'm going to become a master at this card game and yet I'm always surprised when my opponent pulls out these cards. It was like you you have to know those cards exist, right? Like, he's not made some novel deck that only he has access to. That's not how card... I, uh, that I, is how Yu-Gi-Oh! more or less works. That is how Yu-Gi-Oh! works, and that <laughs> bothers me. It's like, apparently, there's only one copy of any given card anywhere. <laughs> hey, there are four Blue's Eyes, Blue's Eyes White Dragons, Blue's Eyes White Dragons. Not, not, But, I mean, like, each person has their own specific deck, and they're the only people who have figured out that combination, versus, like, in an actual Magic tournament... Because Magic was the game I played. It's more of a rock, paper, scissors. Well, yeah, on, the and decks then, whittle themselves down. You end up getting having a very few number of highly competitive decks. Yeah. Which well, isn't, isn't interesting for a, like, shonen anime where you have to fight someone new every week. Yeah, so I understand where that's coming from, but I just can't get past the fact that it's this card game. And he was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to... 
and I have had magic games go like this. I'm going to cast this spell. I counter it. I'm going to cast this spell. I counter it. I'm going to cast this spell. I counter it. Really? But it was just like, oh yeah, that was all according to plan. What, you expected him to have three counters in his hand? And then, alright, I summoned my Genesis, not Genesis Omega Dragon, but I summoned my whatever silly, stupid dragon, <laughs> and then, haha, because I've been doing this the whole time, I was able to summon my stupid, silly, ridiculous dragon card. Okay? They both hit their win condition. Yeah, they both hit their win condition at the same time, but because Reggie's been getting the action cards, he's winning? I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's the problem with it, is you lose track of the plot. I This is, in contrast to you, this sort of crazy banana stuff that I actually like. Like, if it had dramatic music behind it and the right, oh! to it i would be into it more but because it's manga it doesn't really work and getting the story one chapter a month doesn't really work either and like you said it's really hard to tell what the board position is so it's hard to tell what the who we should be worried about yeah and then we had a couple of other characters walk into the middle of this fight who we don't know and they started talking about stuff again it's just super weird I've liked and not liked Yu-Gi-Oh. Honestly, I like Yu-Gi-Oh abridged way more than I like Yu-Gi-Oh. I think everyone does. Because it's a card game thing. And so just for whatever reason, I cannot get over the fact that this is supposed to be a card game and they're playing it not like a card game. They're playing it like a Shonen battle sequence, which I know is weird to complain that that's what they're doing with it. But it just it bothers me that they've set it up as this card game that it's like, oh, yeah, I can try and read my opponent's moves but my opponent keeps uh, apparently just making up cards as we go along. Yes. And that's definitely a component to Yu-Gi-Oh! Because it's reveals to the audience, so it's easier to treat that like a reveal to the character as well. Yeah, I just, I sometimes wish somebody would react to, oh, come on, you also had that in your hand, or something like that. I feel like that does happen occasionally. It does happen occasionally, but here it was like, you know, oh, come on, you had the perfect hand, great, well, I guess I lose. (laughs) Like, that's another thing that happens constantly in card games is, like, I mean, sometimes you'll just lose. Your opponent gets the better hand. It doesn't matter how good of a player you are. Sometimes you just lose. All right. So, speaking of sometimes you lose and sometimes you just win, that brings us to our next segment, Jump Card. Jump Card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we read from our least favorite to our most favorite. Kevin, you've already revealed your hand on this one. Ha ha, puns. So you go first. I'm honestly really surprised you didn't go with speaking of cards onto Jump Card, but I went with Yu-Gi-Oh! because it's just, I can't get into this. Like, And the fact that it's a monthly title makes it worse. Because it's like, oh yeah, in another month I'll be, be reminded that I have to read Yu-Gi-Oh! and be like, oh yeah, I... I still have no idea what's going on, and I don't really care to find out at this point. Uh, so I have Act Age at the bottom, again, because I don't really care for it. But also, again, it has show-don't-tell problems, I feel like, where at least in Yu-Gi-Oh! we see the situation unfolding. I guess. And also, I think I bumped up Yu-Gi-Oh! because there was a lot of synchro and pendulum summoning stuff, 
which is some you know kind of high tier Yu-Gi-Oh mechanics. Not high tier. If you're playing Yu-Gi-Oh, you know them. But there's stuff that got added after I played, so I'm always really excited when I can follow them and understand what's going on. And knowing the rules of Yu-Gi-Oh, like it's all kosher here. Gotcha. So my number fifteen was Act Age because again, same reason. I just I don't like it. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, but so there's, my, there's not much more to it. My number 15 is Neolation because the techno babble stuff just seemed really off. Like the whole setup just seems really contrived in a way that like I don't like. I do like that the other two characters have to go in on foot, but like the setup, I the setup last week I was like, "Oh, this game is interesting. I wonder what's going to happen." But instead it's just some weird hacking nonsense. Yeah, so my number 14 was Neolation. And again, a lot of the same stuff you said. I would have liked that it was like, oh, you two have to go on foot. That's why we're a team. I've been taken out because the hacker shut the servers down. You two guys are going to have to go do something. And then instead, they turned it all around that this was all part of Neo pl- Neo's plan to begin with. And he launched that search in order to trigger the trap to let them in. And it's like, you could have just let him be like, nope. This guy has put me out of the game for right now. You two will have to work at it. That's why we're a team. As opposed to, nope, it's the Neo show and you guys are my underlings. Yeah. My number 14 is Yu-Gi-Oh! I think we made our feelings on that clear. Well, actually, from here up, I like stuff more. There's a big jump between my 14 and my 13, but I didn't love my 13 or my 12. So, anyway. So, for me, 13 is Hell's Paradise. I am really interested in this. This seems like a kind of interesting setting. Seems like a kind of interesting situation that these kind of disparate characters are trapped in hell, I guess. And they're trying to escape. That's kind of cool. I want to see where this goes. But because I don't know anything, I just got it just kind of jumped down the list. And for a while, that's going to be kind of how my list goes. The stuff that I just I don't have any idea what's going on go down on the list because I like knowing things and it's one thing if it's like supposed to be hidden but it's completely different when i don't know things because i haven't read the story like i don't mind not knowing information as long as it's like oh if i had read the previous chapters i would know what's going on so speaking of not knowing what's going on my lucky number 13 is black clover because that was confusing nonsense for most of it to me and I'm supposed to know what's going on in Black Clover, at least better than some of these series. Yep. My number 12 was Black Clover because, again, I know what's going on. And then that middle of the in that middle of the fight sequence, I got really confused how they suddenly turned it around. Like it was like, and the heroes managed to win. How? What? Who? Heroes. My number 12 is Hell's Paradise for pretty much the same reasons. I just really liked the like dramatic impact of the end. I felt like if I had been reading that, it would have had a lot more power than it did with me. Yes. And I just thought there was some cool stuff. I understood it better than Black Clover anyway. Yep. So my number... 11. 11 was Jujutsu Kaisen. Me too! Yeah. I like this chapter a bit more than the other one. There was a bit of character stuff going on. So I was like, okay, cool. I can kind of connect with the fact that you're doing this flashback. So like nobody knows this information or what's going on right now. But it's still kind of down on the list because I haven't been caught up. So I don't know exactly who these characters are why this tag team battle matters at all yeah so pretty much same into all of that i just it went above the others mostly because that creating a bullet thing is pretty cool yep and then my number 10 was demon slayer again don't know what's going on 
just like I said in the other thing, I did really like the character built. Like, we finally, all right, we focused on this one character, and she's getting vengeance for her dead sister on this demon, and the powers seem really neat. And it's like, yeah, I really want to get into this series. This is probably going to be one of the first ones that I start catching back up on when I get some more free time to do stuff. So this is going to be cool. So number 10 for me was Hellward and Higuma. Every Pretty much here and above I are chapters I liked. But like I said, Higuma is just setting up some generic shonen stuff. So this would not, if they dragged this out to an entire episode of an anime, I would hate it. But because it's a manga chapter, it's fine. You're working in the space you have. Yeah. But it's just setting stuff up for hopefully good stuff next week. But I got it's you. not here yet. So my number nine was Boruto. Kind of a, you know, it's it's a Naruto thing. Like it's Boruto, but it's whatever. So kind of middle of the list. This there was some kind of interesting stuff. The two karmas interacting with one another kind of set up this kind of interesting mystery of like, ooh, that's kind of cool. What does that mean? And the even though I kind of complained about it when it happened, I did like the fact that the one ninja was like, oh, well, they've set up this chakra defense. Well, then I'll just use this drone. It doesn't use chakra at all. Haha, I found Kawaki. Now I'm going to go capture him or kill him or whatever I plan to do. Yeah, my number nine is also Baruto. Not a lot to add. So my number eight was Dr. Stone. Kind of just sailing along with Dr. Stone. It, this, I didn't hate right this in chapter. in the middle of the list. Yep. I didn't hate this chapter. I didn't love this chapter. I talked about the stuff I did like about it. I do actually really like the personification or anthropomorphization. <laughs> sure, I'm that's not, a word. I'm not anthropomorphizing. Is that yeah. how? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is actually literally the word. Okay, there we go. Of these like natural disasters, they've done it with this like deadly gas they made as this beautiful lady that when you get up close is super deadly and this cumulonimbus cloud that turns into a dragon. I do really like that. So that was kind of cool. But other than that, I enjoyed the chapter, but it, it's not jumping up on the list or jumping down on the list. Hey, my number eight is Dr. Stone, too. Wow, this is a pretty <laughs> similar list we got going here. Yeah, I think I know what your seven is. I think it's different than mine, though. Yeah, uh, my number seven is Haiku, actually. Oh, okay, never mind then. Yep. And even though even though I said that, I'm actually going to make my number seven Hellwarden. That's what I was going to guess. Yep. I'm going to make Haiku jump up one because these two are right next to one another. It was, like you said, it was kind of transitory chapter, so setting up some cool stuff, and I am interested to see where this series goes, and I, I do like being able to start at chapter one and kind of go and talk about it. This is one of the first series that I'm able to do that with. That's so. true. It is the first series for us, kind of, so. Well, Chainsaw Man was... I guess, yeah, Chainsaw Man. I, I like Chainsaw Man a lot more than Hellwarden, so. Yeah, but I also like Hellwarden, so we'll see where this goes. Yeah, my number seven is Demon Slayer, because... Like I said, I really like what's going on here. It's my favorite of these new series we're getting uh, because I really like the way the powers work and focusing on a single character really helped, especially last week. I was expecting to be super lost for a while. Yeah. But I'm, here's a really good way to ground you and bring you in. Yeah, I'm really glad we focused on one character and it's like, all right, we're going to focus on this character for this chapter. Or even if it jumps to another character next week, as long as they're focusing on that character. Yeah. Like, that will be fine as long as we're not jumping around all crazy. Like, all right, two pages for each character. I'm I'm going to be lost again. So my number six was Hayaku. I still don't know exactly what's going on, but I do really like the message that this chapter was pointing out. And I'm starting to get more of a feel for these characters. I kind of understand why this manga has been doing so well. 
even though it's you know it's a sports anime a lot of these situations can be applied well outside of a volleyball game the whole the only thing you can control is yourself is super applicable in tons of other situations stop trying to manipulate reality you can't do that just do what you can do yeah my number six is going to be food wars because again it's just food wars just food wars gets you pretty high up on the list though yep even if you're like an okay chapter of food wars yeah so my number five was chainsaw man i did really like this one and i i talked about what i liked about it when we talked about it yeah we were pretty thorough on chainsaw wars chainsaw wars (laughs) chainsaw man Chainsaw, chainsaw Wars, Wars would be a slightly different series. Yeah, I mean, there is a chainsaw in Food Wars right now, so... Yeah. My number five is Haikyuu, because like I said, that, like, you're the only thing you can control is, like, really the wisdom I live my life by that I feel like when I realized that, a lot of stuff clicked into place for me, so seeing it reiterated here was cool, and again, it's drawing me in. I pretty much understand what's happening after only three chapters, which I quite like. Yep. It puts it high on the list for me anyway. Yep. So my number four was One Piece. I really liked this chapter. Not a whole lot happened, and the confusion with the Drake thing dropped it just a little bit, because even right now, we still don't know. Is it, is it Drake, or is it like Drake's friend Drake? Yeah, or is it like his brother, or his son, or... Is it Drake from Drake and Josh, who got dinosaur powers for some reason? Oh, that would be great. Anyway, again, really good chapter, top of the list, just not quite the actual top of the list. Yeah. Number four for me was We Never Learn, because again, it was just kind of We Never Learn, but again, that gets you pretty high. Yep. So my number three was We Never Learn. I I really liked it. It was cute. There were some funny moments, a little bit of character development, but just a, just a smidge. But again, it was We Never Learn, and that's what I liked about it. Number three for me is One Piece. I really liked the Frankie joke. I was expecting it to get old, but for some reason, each panel made me laugh a little more. Yeah, that was pretty good. And then the end reveal is cool as well. Yep. So my number two was Food Wars. I really like Food Wars, and this was a return to Soma Soma in a cooking battle. Like, we finally get to see Soma being Soma. Which I, I guess we haven't really since I mean, we, we started reading this manga. Yeah, we've seen him doing it a bit, but we haven't seen him... I mean, we have, so... But this is more of a return to... The normal Soma, so I really liked that. My number two was Chainsaw Man, because while I don't really like Denji's kind of immature turn, that page turn of like him going from I don't care to oh my god, we must fix this injustice was really, really good. Yeah, that was. So in between my number two and my number one was My Hero Academia. I'm catching up on that. I'm, I'm making my way. I saw a really cool panel in a chapter today, but it'll just oh, spoil man. things. There, there's... Yeah, so this was a super sweet chapter of My Hero Academia. I'm actually probably going to go back sometime next week since we're on break and read back through the last couple of chapters to make sure I know exactly what's going on. I think I know what's going on, but I'm going to go back through these chapters and make sure I know what's happening. But yeah, there's some really cool stuff going on in My Hero Academia right now. Uh, So that brings us to our number one, which is just the last panel of The Promised Neverland, right? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) 
the the giant shoe brace was cool, but yeah, it was literally just that reveal. I was like, nope, top of the list. Yeah, exactly. That's the second thing I read, and I'm like, I hope something beats that, but I sure don't think it will. So, when I normally do my ranking, I read all the chapters, and then I rank everything. Yeah. I read my prom- I read The Promised Neverland and put it at number one, <laughs> and then proceeded to read everything else. I was like, nope, nothing else beat it. All right, stay at the top, buddy. Yeah, it was a really good, especially for just really being that page. But I didn't even, like, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, neither did, well, neither did I, but also I'm a little newer to this series. Yeah, you're a little, like, I didn't see it coming. So I'm not saying that it wasn't a reveal that couldn't have happened. Yeah, but like, it wasn't like, this is impossible, you've cheated. It yeah. was like, oh, I didn't expect that. Yeah, What but does this mean? This makes a lot more sense with the kind of Guardians, because clearly they were do- at some weird research facility, so obviously Norman got these people that were like weaponized humans or something like that is what i'm guessing is going on and that's why they're the guardians of this thing so that's why they're so amazing all right so yeah that was jump card yeah all right so we read black clover volume one this week so if you want to find out if i hate that and if the art is as muddied as recent black clover stay tuned All right, so we read Black Clover, Volume 1, and we're going to try not to talk too much about how bad that anime adaptation is, because we have plans tonight. Yes, but I will mention it a little bit just on the pacing side. Yeah, well, I watched the first three episodes of Black Clover. More happens in the first chapter of the manga. And you've done something horribly wrong, especially when the first episodes have to drop people in, so you should be burning through manga material as quickly as you can to get people excited so they will put up with you when you have to slow down unless the manga happens to open with like a giant battle sequence then you could like like extend it yeah then you if the first chapter started off with a cool battle sequence i could see the first the entire episode taking only one chapter taking up one chapter as this cool battle sequence that would be an interesting addition to this but it's like the first episode is like the first chapter the second episode is like the second chapter the third episode is chapters like three, four, and three, four, five, and six, and then the fourth episode is chapter seven. I think it's some something along that line, and it's just super confusing. The fir- yeah, well, the Black Clover anime because I recently watched the first three episodes. The first two episodes of chapter one. The third episode is an original story in which nothing happens. The third episode is just them going to the wizard. Oh yeah, that's right. Tournament thing. Yeah, the two of them like walking to the yeah. cap, not the capital, but whatever, wherever they're hel- holding the magic the- night entrance exam. Yes, yes, I forgot about that. It sucks. Yeah, um, you have filler on episode three. You have it on episode two. Really? Yeah, but like because they episode extend three- that flashback forever. It's literally less than a page in the manga, and they draw it out to an entire episode. Yeah, same thing with episode three is literally all filler. So anyway. That's enough of the anime adaptation. So we meet our favorite black Naruto, Asta. Yes. He wants to be the Wizard King, which sounds cooler than Hokage. Yes. But uh, is basically just the Hokage. Only I guess he's Wizard King of all wizards and not just the wizards in his village. 
Yeah, well, this is like the Empire. There are other empires, so he's the leader of... He's the wizard king of all the wizards in this empire. So I guess it's still kind of like the villages. There's just... It's slightly bigger than uh, just a single shinobi village. Yeah, what really struck me about this is how exposition-heavy it is, especially compared to other chapter ones. Yeah. It was just a lot. It's like, oh, we have magic. Ah, wizard king. Ah, other countries. Ah, peasants and stuff. It just, it feels kind of clunky. A little bit, yeah. And the thing that's always struck me about Black Clover is how similar to Naruto it is. I talk about with My Hero Academia how you can really see the Naruto DNA in it. Yeah. But Black Clover almost feels like you could have dubbed Naruto in a slightly different way and made it Black Clover if it was dubbed like five years earlier. Yeah. Like if you were like, oh, no one thinks ninjas do magic, we'll call them wizards. And instead of Hokage, we'll call him the Wizard King. Yeah. So anyway, Asta is a young boy who wants to be Wizard King. He's got a rival named Sasuke. I mean, you know. Although, again, that dude looks like Sasuke. Yeah. That guy could win a Sasuke lookalike contest in a heartbeat. Yep. They both want to be Wizard King because they made a promise to each other that they would be when they were kids. Yep. And they're both orphans at the same orphanage. Asta's in love with the nun there, but she can't marry him because she's a nun. And he's also 15. Everyone can use this magic in this setting except for Asta. Yeah, Asta literally has no magic. And at one point, I think it's like chapter two or three, a guy literally tells him, when you're bound up in my chains... It's chapter one, but yeah, go on. Is it Was it chapter one? Yeah, I thought it was chapter, chapter two. When you're bound up in my chains, I can tell people's magical abilities and you literally have zero. Like, at first, everyone thought Asta just didn't have much, but he literally has none. Yeah, so they are coming of age, so they get to go to the ceremony where you get a grimoire, which will, like, enhance your magical power. It's essentially what makes your magic. Like, people could do basic spells, but your grimoire is, like, you create your own spells in your grimoire, so that it's, like, a big deal for everyone has their own grimoire, like... You see even the sister has a grimoire and uses it with the holy fist of love, which is like this giant water fist that smashes Asta as he's like, hey, sister, marry me. Yeah. So Yuno gets a four-leaf clover, which is supposed to be super lucky. The first Wizard King had one, and they're super rare. Yeah. It's the, you know, the three-leaf clovers are like loyalty, unity, and strength for the kingdom. The fourth leaf contains luck. So the fact that he got a four-leaf clover, it's super lucky. I'm, it makes sense, but... But Asta doesn't get one at all, because he has no magic. Yep. And the guy running it is like, I don't know, come back next year? Yeah, he has no idea what to do with it. So Asta is, like, just being depressed when Yuno is attacked by this rogue magic knight from the capital. Yep. He's, he's, like, he's an ex-magic knight, yeah. not just a rogue magic knight. And it was like, hey, you, no one can use a grimoire but the person that was given to, but people will still pay a ton of money for a four-leaf clover. Yep. And I'd never expected to find something like this in a podunk town like this. Yep. And his spells basically give him magical chains that let him bind people and stop them from using their magic. And he can tell how much magic they have, like you said. Yeah. And he's like, even though you might have gotten a super powerful grimoire, you're still a chickadee who doesn't know anything where I used to be a magic knight, which kind of makes sense. Like, it doesn't matter how much potential you have. I'm actually experienced, so I can defeat you. Yeah. So he chains up Asta as well when he like runs to try and rescue him like he did when they were kids. Yep. He's like, hey, you have no magic at all. Haha, you suck. Yeah, and so we see Asta about to admit to himself that he's a failure. And then at this point, Yuno says, hey, don't you talk down to Asta. He is my rival. 
And this kind of like makes Asta realize that Yuno actually does believe in me. Yeah. And so it kind of flips him around like he was literally about to say, I am a failure or like, like I give I, up. I give up so, whatever he was going to say. But he turns it around. And right as he has this revelation, a little stone in the tower, because they're fighting outside the like Grimoire Tower, a little stone in the tower wall flops out. And this black Grimoire comes flying out of the hole in the wall and appears in front of Asta. Yeah, and the fifth leaf contains a demon, apparently. Yeah, so... According to the narrator. According to the narrator. So it's this super tattered, grimy, black tome that has a five-leaf clover on it, but Asta doesn't see this. They mention it later, like the author's note. Asta's, like, rubbing up against the Grimoire, and he doesn't notice the fifth-leaf clover, but the Magic Knight does, and he's like, what a fifth-leaf clover? And so the narrator mentions that the fifth-leaf of the clover contains a demon. So this gives Asta a giant sword, and he's been doing push-ups and sit-ups and drinking protein drinks to try and train since his magic sucks so bad. He's been honing his physical body because he couldn't train his magical body, so he had to do something. Yeah. So he's a fighter in a world of wizards. Yes. And it turns out his power is an anti-magic sword. Yep. Seems pretty good. Yeah. So he beats up the magic knight. He and Yuno, like, promise they're going to be wizard king. And if that sounds like it should take three episodes of anime, you're wrong. It shouldn't. <laughs> it definitely should not. It should take one, maybe two. Yeah, maybe one and a half. Not even a full two. Yeah. So chapter two begins with them going to take the Magic Knight exam. Yep. There are nine squads of Magic Knights who work directly under the king, and the nine captains are overlooking the tests, basically. And at the end, they make a proposal. They say, hey, I want you on my team. Yeah, and so you can choose which of the ones made who made offers to you you want to join. Yeah, so every applicant kind of like stands in front of the nine captains who have been watching during all of these trials. And all right, this is applicant, whatever, who would like him? And, you know, whatever captain raises their hand like, I would like him or I would like him. And then you get to pick between the two. And it's kind of implied that if you're not picked, you're... You're just out. Yeah. It, I don't even think it's implied. I think they state that directly. I kind of got the implication that if you're not picked, you don't get to try again kind of thing. I don't I, know if that's true or I not. I don't know if that's true, but I kind of got I got a little bit of that vibe. Like, not only are you know, if you're not picked, you're sent home. It's like, if you're not picked, you're not worthy at all kind of thing. Right. So the two ones we kind of see in particular are Captain Yami of the Black Bulls, who's like going down and picking fights with Asta at first and stuff before they even realize he's a captain. Well, Asta runs into him because apparently Yami got lost. And so Asta thinks he's one of the applicants. And Yami's this giant older guy. He runs into Asta and Yami's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, I clearly must have misheard him. <laughs> you know, like, we should be friends. I'm a shonen anime protagonist. Would you like to friendship? Well, he's like, would you like to friendship? Wow, you look really old. You must have had a really hard life. Because <laughs> he's thinking he's a 15-year-old who looks like he's 26. And so Yami's like, nope. And he picks him up by the face. Like, he palms Asta's face and is, like, starting to crush his skull. Because Yami's another one of those big, muscly dudes in a world full of wizards. And so he's, like, starting to crush Asta's skull when the tests start. So he has to go join the other captains. He's like, you get off lucky this time. Uh, the other captain that we really see is the excellently named William Vengeance, who is the captain of the Golden Dawn, who is like the kind of premier 
team. Yeah, you have to be the highest of the high ranked to get into the Golden Dawn. Like only the nobility are allowed into the Golden Dawn. I like really like William has this kind of like cool mask that he's wearing that's got like it's two different colors on his face. I really like the design of his character. And it turns out his power is like this tree. He can at least one of the things he does is he starts the test off by summoning this tree that creates a bunch of brooms for all the wizards to fly on. So the tests are all basically basic magic aptitude tests. The first is flying on a broom, which is a pretty cool way to get around for a wizard. Asta can't do it at all because he has no magic. Yep. And Yuno's like surfing on his in the air. Yeah. So they mention there are a couple, uh, quite of really good applicants because there's like Yuno who's just standing on his broom super high in the air. There's a couple other people you can see like kind of in the background. Most everyone else is just kind of like hovering off the ground. And Asta is screaming at the top of his lungs to do something but he's just stuck on the ground yeah and like even all the other ones who suck are like hovering an inch off the ground at least yeah somebody's like i don't care how bad you are at magic you should at least be able to hover yeah so basically they're all tests like that and asta fails them all until the last one which is a one-on-one fight and this opportunist challenges him because he's like oh he sucks i'll definitely be able to beat him and then i'll look really good yeah you get to pick your opponents for this one-on-one fight as well it's not like random lots or something like that so he picks on Asta because he noticed that Asta was the weak guy and you hear a couple other people like oh man he got him this is going to be so easy yeah but he's got this like bronze magic that like puts a kind of bronze shell around him and can shoot out yeah it's got these weird they're like spikes but they've got their tips rounded off and he mentions that they can shoot bullets so he's like it's defense and offense all in one but since Asta has a sword that can cut through magic, he literally just cuts through it and one-shots him. Yeah, well, they also mention Asta moves ridiculously fast, and one of the captains is like, oh, is his magic like a speed enhancement thing? And Yami notes, nope, he's just that buff. Yes. Or that fit, or something like that. And he literally takes this guy out in a single shot, and then some other stuff happens, and people tend to forget about it, but you could clearly see that Yami took an interest in Asta, because even though he seemed a little weird, he just immediately took this dude out. Uh, and Yuno gets challenged by this haughty noble guy who's like, hey, you think you're hot shit even though you're from the boonies? Yep. But Yuno also just one-shots him? Yep. Uh, so the knights make offers. Everybody makes an offer to Yuno. And he, of course, chooses the Golden Dawn because that's the fastest way to be Wizard King. That Yeah, he says, I'm going to pick the option that's the fastest. So it's not necessarily the fastest, but that's at least his belief that if I'm part of the Golden Dawn, that'll be the fastest way to get to the Wizard King, and that kind of makes sense. Except for you have to be a captain first, and that's probably going to be the hardest one to take captaincy from, but you can see the logic for sure. Yeah, he wants to work with the strongest people, so it's like if I can work with and become better than the strongest people, that'll be the easiest way to become Wizard King. Makes sense. And Yami is the only one who makes an offer to Asta, and he's like, well, I gotta take whatever I can get, so. Yep, well, he... Like, he comes down off the platform and is like, you, you're joining the Black Bulls. You can't say no. And Asta's like, what? (laughs) But no one else makes an offer, so. Yeah, I I love Yami. So Yami takes him to the Black Bulls base, which is pretty much just a frat house. We do have the little aside where the guy that Asta beat summons this, like, poison salamander that he's like, it'll make you bedridden for the rest of your life if it touches you because Asta has to go take a dump after the exam. But Yuno squashes it. Yuno squashes it with this cool owl made out of wind. So Yuno has like wind powers. Yeah. 
like he summons a tornado in the thing so he's got like all these cool wind powers but the guy is like i was only picked up by one of the lower ranking magic captain squads because you just crushed me in a single instant and nothing happened like the battle was literally asked to hit him with the sword and he was unconscious which i don't know if we've ever mentioned this or not Asta's sword cannot cut flesh uh, it doesn't actually get brought up here. It doesn't get it brought sense, up here. But, but yeah, I, at some point they mention it that it it can only cut magic. Otherwise, it's like just a hunk of iron. So it's like being hit with a hunk of iron. It would hurt, but it doesn't actually like cut anybody. He just like knocks people unconscious with it to avoid Asta just straight up murdering people. Because he it, would. <laughs> yeah, I mean the sword is almost the same side as Cloud's sword, so it would literally just cleave people in half. So it just instead knocks them unconscious. All right, so the Black Bull's house is basically a frat house. And it it looks super weird. Like, it's this mismatched jumble of all these, like, different styles of architecture stuck on top of one another. One of the people there is this just drunk lady who's just, like, hitting on the other guys there. Yeah, she's just, she's sitting there in her, like, lingerie. And the they all have these, like, little half cape things that are their black bull's robes and yami shows up and he's like hey this is our new guy don't haze him so hard he dies well <laughs> doesn't even before that doesn't like the room explode like yeah. asta's like oh so this is the black bulls and then the room explodes from who we learn at magna it's magna fighting luck but like that's literally asta's introduction to the black bulls is he like walks in and the room explodes yeah and so their hazing ritual is basically like hey i'm gonna shoot a fireball at you so well and they survive they mentioned that it's not actually their hazing ritual. But like, this is what they decide to do. That they it's it's clearly Magna has just is just making stuff up, but they're all used to it. Finall, I guess we can get to. So Magna's like, yeah, I'm gonna launch this fireball at you, dodge it, block it, stop it, whatever. Just don't die. Yeah, and NASA's like, oh, if I cut that, it will just explode and I will die. I did kind of like the moment of even though it's narration, so it's Asta and he's gonna cut the fireball. And it was like, at that moment, Asta's mind shut down because he started thinking through this problem of like, oh, it's coming too fast. Even if I cut it, I'm just going to get hit with two halves of the fireball. But on muscle memory, he like turns his sword and bunts it. Yep. And it turns out the sides of his swords can reflect magic. Yep. So he reflected the magic back at Magna and Magna was able to throw another fireball to kind of like create a backdraft so that he didn't die from his own spell. But this creates friendship because it's a shonen anime. And Magna's like, I'm also from the boonies. Yeah. We should be friends. Well, I mean, admittedly, like, that was pretty cool. Because Magna's like, you're the only person who's ever reflected my magic back at me. And Finall is like, wow, that was the first time I didn't have to save a newbie from dying. Because he was, like, getting ready to, he can create like, spatial space portals. portals. Yeah. So he's getting ready to pull Asta out of the way. I assume he was going to move the fireball, but... Yeah, I think he was going to I think he was going to pull Asta out of the way. Either way, he was going to do something. He was like, "Wow, that was the first time I didn't have to save the newbie." <laughs> yeah. So then they got one other new member who's Noel, who we've talked about on the podcast previously. Yeah. She's a noble bitch basically. She's that exact archetype. Right but, now, yes. But she has all this magical power, but she can't control it at all. But like Asta, she like goes out to the woods to try and train, and she got given a complex by her parents basically. They're like, ah, oh, if you can't control it, you're worthless to us. Yep. Yeah, which just made it worse. The fact that she can't control magic, it just made her worse that everybody was down on her for it. So she creates this, like, 
super terrifying magical water bubble of doom out in the forest that's like sending tendrils causing explosions and everyone's like wow that's pretty dangerous and it looks like she's like drowning in her own water because she can't control her magic and Yami's like well if only we had somebody with an anti-magic sword and there's this explosion <laughs> and uh Asta lands right in front of him he's like oh perfect I was just talking about you hey you go save her and Asta's like well I can't fly and Yami picks him up and throws him at him Going, uh, overcome your limits right now. Yep. It's pretty funny. I love Captain Yami so much because a lot of his stuff is, he says that kind of stuff a lot about like overcome your limits. Like that's why he likes all of these misfits. So I just love the, you know, overcome your limits right now or what? Die. <laughs> so, uh, Asta saves Noel and is like, oh man, you're that powerful? Awesome. I am zero powerful. Yep. And the other Black Bulls also come over and start to like Noel and like, you idiot, why didn't you tell us you couldn't control your magic? And the slutty witch is like, hey, magic control is what I do. I'll try and help you out with controlling your magic and with girl stuff. Yeah. And then we meet some of the other ones. We get uh, Charmy. Is we the... actually get like almost X-Men style nameplates on them, yeah. which is the sort of thing I really appreciate and feel like Black Clover might benefit from right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, One Piece is still currently doing it, so I really wish, I really wish Black Clover would do that as well. But we get Charmy, who creates. She likes food, and she has her her magic is a sheep. Uh, it's like cotton magic. She makes this like sheep cook. So she's constantly she's like here asked to eat this, and there's this great scene of like him eating it, and then the both of them looking super happy, holding up the <laughs> piece of like cake that she made. We have I'm forgetting her name, but the the slutty witch, whose her thing is magic control. There's Luck, who's a sociopath, and there's Gray, the person who's the transformation magic guy. So he looks like this giant, he's like this giant shadow, and then he transforms into Asta and starts talking to him. And I think that's all that's there at the moment. Yami mentions that some of the people are missing. Yeah, he's like, yeah, now some people are out on missions. Speaking of, Noel and Asta, you have to go catch a boar for me because I lost the bet. Yes. said I catch a boar and you guys are my slaves basically yep so go do it yeah and it was funny I was like what that's not our problem I could kill you right <laughs> now yeah sure let's go <laughs> capture that boar and Magna's like I guess I'll take you on my broom because neither of you can magic well enough to ride a broom yeah because Asta has none and Noel can't control her magic uh, just to jump back a little bit on the some of the other members are out on missions I really like the this is so this is talking about Henry, but he's like, yeah, that's everybody that's here right now. Some of them are out on missions or just lazing about <laughs> like he literally says that because Henry's just laying in his room upstairs at this point. Like we haven't met him yet, but that's what he's doing at this moment because he never leaves the base ever. So they fly out to this village that for some reason is covered in mist. And they're like, this isn't right. If only we had someone with a magic sword that could get into the mist. Yep. Well, and Magna specifically says this isn't right, because at first they're like, it's just weather, isn't it? And Magna's like, no, that's not just weather. Why would there just be mist <laughs> around the city? So they cut their way in, and like all the people are kind of gathered in the square to be icicle executed? Yeah, they literally show up in the nick of time. And that brings us to the last chapter of the volume, which is the one that looks like Black Clover to me. Which meaning, it's the one with magic everywhere, and I can't quite tell what's going on. It's a yep. lot better than modern Black Clover because I can tell they're all icicles. But again, going to the Naruto comparisons, it's kind of surrounding them all. And it looks a ton like the Haku fight to me, just visually. I gotcha. But there's this ice magic there who's basically like, ah, oh, 
Uh, these are all commoners, basically, so they're pretty much just pests, and I can murder them all. Yeah, that's kind of the way their society works, is the people with more magical power, like, magical power is everything. So if you have more of it, you're the nobility. If you have less of it, you're commoners, kind of thing. So he's like, ah, these people are all just people out from the sticks. It doesn't matter if I murder them. They don't have the thing that I want. He's like, if you just leave, I will let you go. And Ast is like, I'm an anime protagonist. I can't allow that. But Noelle is considering it until, like, this girl asks her for help. And then she's like, oh, no, like, the nobility should, like, protect common people. Yep. That's and, how this should work. And so she develops her, I think it's her first spell out of the Grimoire. Yeah. Or maybe, or we see her develop a new spell out of the Grimoire. It gets, like, actually written into the thing, and it's Sea Dragon's Lair. And so at this point, Asta and Magna are really on the back ropes because while they can deflect the icicle guy's attacks, they can't attack him, protect the villagers at the same time. And so they're like, this is going to be rough because the three other dudes with this icicle guy are also like magic knight level magicians. And Magna had to use a bunch of his magic on his broom to get the three of them there because it's not normally meant to carry three people kind of thing. And Asta doesn't have any magic, so he's only within the range of his sword. So the icicle guy is just like creating an endless wave of icicles shooting at him. And he's like, well, sure, you can maybe stop my icicles, but I can just keep making these forever. Like, you're in a, you're at a stalemate, and I'll just summon more to kill all these villagers. So Noel creates this dome of water that protects all the villagers so that Asta and Magna can go fight these guys without having to worry about protecting them. And that's pretty much where the volume ends. Yeah. I did like this a lot more than I like modern Black Clover, but like I always say, I really feel like what this series needs is a good anime adaptation, Yeah, like so it. it's just such a shame what happened with it. Hey, apparently it's really good, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to skip the first 13 episodes and just go from there, because apparently I was going that's to say, where it kind of sucks. And given uh, the pace they were going at, this, ha- this manga probably covered more than the first 13 episodes. No, I think, because I think I made it to like episode five, and that's where they were at this fight in the village. I don't understand the pacing of this anime at all. I don't either. Apparently, like I I said, apparently it gets better. Some people were like, oh, the pacing's kind of crazy, but like it gets kind of crazy in an interesting way rather than a bad way where it's like super slow. Like suddenly you'll speed up, which is fine, but this super slow pacing is terrible. Like they have this whole plot of the bet. So, like, Yami and Magda talk about the bet for, like, half of an episode. <laughs> that sounds about right. It's it's a nightmare. Apparently, it gets good, so I'm willing to give it a shot. Because, like you said, it's a... I really like this. I can kind of... Sometimes I'll get confused by some of the battle sequences, but I can really kind of keep track of a lot of stuff. But the anime adaptation should really make this... Putting it in color, putting things in motion should, even if it's kind of confusing visually, it should at least make it a bit more clear what's going clear. on. Because it, when it's in black and white and drawn the way the artist draws it, sometimes it does get really confusing what's going on in the action sequences specifically. Yeah, but it did make me want to read the second volume. So it did its job in that way, at least. Yeah. I can kind of understand where it got its foothold, but I do feel like at some point I'd be in this lost state I am now because Naruto, that worked that way for me as well. I really don't like the like last third of Naruto. Yeah. So maybe Black Clover just isn't for you, Jeremy, at least as a manga. I really liked it and I will continue to like it. I mean, I like I said, it makes me want to read the second volume. And yeah. I'm sure we will at some point. So 
But before we get to that, we have one more duty for today, which is personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment where we rank characters from manga that we've read, from our favorite, the ones we think are the best, to the ones we think are the worst. At the top, we have Izuki Midoriya, our, my favorite green Naruto, from <laughs> My Hero Academia. At the bottom, we have Haruhi Fujioka from Oran High School Host Club. And in the middle, we have Anise Murphy. It's super weird to have Midoriya and Asta on here before Naruto to me, but that's just the nature of the way we've read things. Yeah, we haven't been, I mean, really besides Dragon Ball, we really haven't been reading older stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess One Piece and Bleach are pretty contemporary with Naruto. Yeah. And Guts is older. Parasite's older. So there's a fair bit. Yeah, I, I had forgotten Parasite. Like, I realized One Piece is older, but it's still concurrently going on. So it doesn't feel old. Yeah, so it was like Bleach, Cypher, and for me it was like Bleach and Cypher, and I, I'd forgotten about... Like Sailor Moon and Parasite. So I feel like the first character I always go to, at least for shonen protagonists, is Goku. And I, I personally don't like Asta as much as I like Goku. I feel like you might have an argument for above him. No, so. e- even I don't. Like, I kind of like Asta. I like the fact that he's kind of yelly, but I don't like him more than Goku. I think I do like him more than Ichigo, though, who's right below Goku right now. Yeah. Because, like we say, Ichigo's kind of bland and personality list, and Asta definitely isn't that. Yeah, Asta has character, even though his character is to be annoying, but in the manga, he's not annoying to the reader, which is great. Apparently, this was one of the other things. In the anime, that voice director, my god, he's annoying to the listener or the viewer, which is horrible. Like, it's one thing to make him annoying to the people. Like, I can see him being the annoying guy. It's another thing to be personally grating to me. And apparently the voice direction also changes on Black Clover after a little while. And they kind of tone him down a little bit. So he's still yelly and kind of screamy, but not to the level that he was for those first couple of episodes. So that was pretty easy. Asta goes at number nine above Ichigo and below Goku. Perfect. All right. So that does it for this week. Again, we are taking next week off because there's no Shonen Jump. But in two weeks, we'll be reading what, volume one of one of our favorite series from Shonen Jump, which is We Never Learn. I'm yep. very excited for that. Yep, I'm excited. I'll, so I'll have read the chapters of We Never Learn that will comprise the volume, but I'm excited to see like the little side stories that are going to be in the volume. So if you want to check out the Personality Power Level list or our past episodes, you can do that at www.lastpodcast.com. You can also find a link to our Discord there, where we're probably going to be talking about the new anime season, if that's something you're interested in. You can also leave comments there if you have suggestions for manga we should read. The theme for February is going to be romance, although we have to talk about details about that. We haven't yet. So if you get a comment in quick, you might be able to have some influence there. You also find my other two podcasts, Last Time on Video Games, and It's a Gundam. Last time on video games just went to a bi-weekly schedule, and It's a Gundam is going to be on a weekly schedule this year if it kills me, damn it. So if you're interested in either of those, you can check them out there. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our clothing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Also, if you want to help us out, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts would help us tremendously, or just tell a friend, especially if they start getting into the Promised Neverland anime. You can tell them about this podcast, where we will spoil the hell out of them for it. Yep. Anything else you want to plug, Kevin? Yeah, so right now, Games Done Quick, it's specifically Awesome Games Done Quick, is going on, and by the time this podcast comes out, 
the it'll be the ending weekend because it goes till it'll go till Sunday. And it's a week long, 24 seven charity stream of speed runs. And they do this twice a year during the summer and during the winter. So it's something that if you're interested, you should go check out. It's really cool watching speed runs as part of a marathon. They'll get commentators talking about the game. Weird stuff always happens. They do prizes for the donations. It's a really cool event to be a part of. So I hope you guys check it out. All right. We will see you in two weeks. I forget about a joke I wanted to suggest to you. It might be too late for it now. I want to refer to him as Naruto and the Wizard King as Hokage, and then just take a, a take of Asta and Wizard King and have you edit it over. But I think it might be too late for that joke. So I'm just going to say it on the podcast, I guess. Sure. And if you want to edit it out or if you want to edit it out and do that, that's fine.